Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, Tennessee pastor and MAGA celebrity Greg Locke has been banned from YouTube. We asked why. Karis Bible College, founded by prosperity gospel preacher Andrew Womack, was rocked this week by a murder-suicide, and we'll have details of that incident as well. We also take a look at the explosive growth of a ministry called Children's Hunger Fund. We begin today with an influential Hispanic pastor under investigation for violating wage and hour laws. An influential Hispanic pastor and Mexican food truck chain owner and restaurateur uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, his name is Greg Diaz, is under federal investigation for wage and hour law compliance and has raised flags suggesting that he may be violating uh, human trafficking laws as well. Concerned readers circulated the social media post of Greg Diaz that sought to recruit workers to the United States from Mexico. Many readers were worried that Diaz offered work without proper authorization, would require long hours for low pay, and exploit labor by using workers' undocumented status to his advantage. Diaz is lead pastor of Nueva Dirección, a Spanish-speaking church in southeast Memphis, and has participated in new conferences and panels related to immigration and Hispanic affairs. Yeah, his food truck enterprise has five locations, and he also owns some high-end restaurants called Uncle Goya's in nearby Germantown, which is kind of an upscale suburb in the southeast part of Memphis. The ads that um, are in question here are ads that Diaz posted on social media. They said that they were that he was looking for workers that could work 12-hour days, six days a week, that's 72 hours a week. He offered potential workers 13,000 Mexican pesos, which is the equivalent of about $665 per week. And if you use that 72-hour work week as your guide, that comes out to about $9.23 an hour. Some of the ads also say, quote, the trip is not with a visa, but it's 100% safe. And that particular line is what is getting him into some trouble. Federal law says that it is illegal for anyone to knowingly hire or recruit unauthorized immigrants and for anyone to encourage or induce an immigrant to enter the United States if they know that a person's visit or stay violates the law. Now, a Department of Labor spokesperson confirmed that the Wage and Hour Division has opened up an investigation into Diaz to verify the establishment are operating in compliance with minimum wage, that they're paying overtime, because as I said, this is a a 72-hour-a-week job that they're being recruited for, that they're not in violation of child labor laws and that they're doing appropriate record-keeping. If the investigation determines that the law was violated, uh, Taconganis, which is the name of his company, could be forced to pay back unpaid wages to employees. Our next story involves a former pastor and Christian podcast host. 
Yeah, two men claimed that Michael Wilson, who's 69 years of age, sexually assaulted them, and Wilson was arrested last week for accusations uh, that he assaulted a 22-year-old and a 24-year-old male in separate incidents over the past couple of years. According to detectives, the men knew Michael Wilson. He's from uh, Wenatchee, Washington, which is uh, near the Seattle, near Seattle. And he's also known as the leader of a Bible study group that met in his home. Wilson is currently held on a $1 million bond at the Chillen County Jail on second and third degree rape charges, including four offenses of attempted rape, three assault charges, and two indecent liberties charges. Yeah, now court documents filed by detectives claimed that Wilson admitted to having sexual contact with both men, but claimed that the contact with the 24-year-old was consensual or unintentional, and that the 22 two-year-old never said no to his advances. Now, last week in Chelan County Superior Court, Deputy Prosecutor Julia Hartnell told Judge Travis Brandt that Wilson used his status in the church to cultivate and victimize young men. Wilson co-hosts a podcast called Gripping Reality. He has a co-host named Mike Merrill of Rochester, New York, who's a Christian counselor on that podcast. A website advertising the podcast says that Wilson is a social scientist who has worked professionally in both education and in what it calls religious-based work for more than 25 years. Wilson is due to be arraigned on November 21st. That's next week. Our next story is about the explosive growth of Children's Hunger Fund. Now, I wanted to back up a little bit on this story, Natasha, and just mention that uh, what I hope a lot of our listeners know, but just in case they don't, we have a database of the thousand largest Christian ministries in the country, and we get a direct feed from the Internal Revenue Service of new data, financial data that comes in when an organization files a Form 990 and it gets published, we automatically update our database. So we're getting uh, updates on a weekly basis, in fact, really on a daily basis um, to our database. And I look for anomalies in that database. I look for, um, you know, a ministry that is had a huge growth or a huge decline in revenue or something else that looks weird. And we often do stories on those ministries or stories that are driven by the database, which is one of the uh, reasons that we have that database in the first place, in addition to, of course, providing a resource to donors. Well, Children's Hunger Fund is one of those organizations that sort of popped up uh, because of an anomaly whenever we entered new data in the database. Uh, we were interested in them, not for any bad reasons, but because they have nearly tripled in growth uh, since 2016. They went from $49 million in annual revenue to $134 million in annual revenue. According to its audited financial statement, the lion's share, over $100 million in 2021, was in-kind contributions. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so the huge growth in revenue is not exactly what it looks like. Uh, it's not coming from you know individual donors giving money to the organization, uh, but it is still real growth, and um, and the in kind contributions do go to good causes, as I'll explain in a minute. Uh, about three thousand truckloads of corporate contributions are sent 
two children's hunger fund. Uh, 80% of those contributions are food. They often come from food manufacturing companies. And then they have a, a network of partner ministries where they distribute that food out to. So for example, um, Children's Hunger Fund has donated millions of donated toys to Samaritan's Purse, and those toys get included in the uh, uh, shoeboxes of Operation Christmas Child. Now, being a broker or a middleman has always been at the heart of the mission of Children's Hunger Fund. Yeah, that's right. When he established the ministry in 1991, a little over 30 years ago, uh, Dave Phillips expected to be a conduit between corporate America and the church to feed the hungry. Uh, that has happened, but he's also modified it over the years, and they actually do a home delivery model. So currently, Children's Hunger Fund takes all this food in from manufacturers, and then they actually package it up in individual family-sized uh, units and deliver it directly to the homes of people, not to necessarily the churches where a lot of these kinds of uh, programs have distributed food in the past. They're operating mostly in California and Texas and other parts of the Southwest. Warren, we need to take a break. When we return, tragic news from Andrew Womack's Karis Bible College in Colorado. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith. We'll have that story and much more after this short break. Hello everyone, I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Well, up next, the story we promised before the break is the story of a tragic murder-suicide involving two members of the staff at Karis Bible College in Colorado. Yeah, a Sunday morning double shooting caused the deaths of a couple who worked for Karis Bible College, uh, which is a Colorado-based school founded by prosperity gospel preacher Andrew Womack. Deputies are investigating the deaths of 27-year-old Sean Mills and 29-year-old Adriana Trujillo Mills as a double suicide at the moment. The couple left behind three young children who were inside the home in Florissant, Colorado, which is just south of Colorado Springs, uh, at the time of the killings. One child placed a 911 call uh, just after 7 in the morning, and the children were placed in the Department of Human Services until relatives could arrive from out of state to pick them up. The couple worked at Karis, where both had previously been students. Karis and Andrew Womack Ministries released a statement saying, fellow employees are devastated to hear of the passing of the couple. 
Yeah, and Lieutenant Wes Walter with the Teller County Sheriff's Office told a local TV station that uh, two uh, children were found outside the home when officers arrived on Sunday morning, and one infant remained inside the house. None of the children were physically harmed. Now, uh, Karis Bible College, by the way, was founded in 1994. It's an unaccredited college, but it has nearly 1,000 full-time students. Uh, together, Karis and Andrew Womack, Ministries employ more than 800 people uh, in a little mountain town just west of Colorado Springs. Our next story involves Greg Locke, a Tennessee pastor known for his viral videos about COVID-19, election conspiracies, and witchcraft, claims another social media giant has given him the boot. Yeah, that other one is YouTube. Uh, Locke is the pastor of Global Vision Bible Church just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. He was in Ohio getting ready for a preaching gig when he said he got news that his YouTube channel was gone. He said he saw it on yet another social media channel, Twitter. Uh, At least that's what he said in a phone call, um, adding that he had not received any official notice from YouTube itself. The link to Locke's a YouTube account led to a message saying that the page was no longer available. The link to Global Vision Bible Church's YouTube page also leads to a similar message. Yeah, and I should add, uh, Natasha, just before you and I got on the air, I I, uh, looked again, I checked again both of those links, and sure enough, they're down. I thought, you know, it could have been an administrative error, but it does look to be that it was intentional. A spokesman from YouTube told Religion News Service, though, that they were looking into the matter to find out why uh, Greg Locke's uh, YouTube channels were taken down. Locke told Religion News Service that his personal account had more than 100,000 followers and more than 800 videos at the time that it was taken down. And all of those videos, including many from his church services, are now lost, he said. Should also add that Greg Locke is a Donald Trump supporter who has been featured at Christian nationalist events such as America's Revival and uh, with uh, disgraced former Trump official Mike Flynn's Reawaken America tour. Locke was banned from Twitter last year for spreading misinformation. Let's look at one more story before we take another break. It's a story coming from Eastern University, a Christian school affiliated with the American Baptist Churches USA. Yeah, Eastern has long been on the progressive side of the spectrum, or at least the progressive side of evangelicalism, and it remained true to those progressive values when it recently amended its uh, policies to allow for the hiring of faculty who identify as LGBTQ and to add sexual orientation to its non-discrimination statement. But its fidelity to progressivism has put it at odds with the Council of Christian Colleges and Universities. Yeah, its membership with the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities, CCCU as it's often called, has been put on hold for the 2022-23 academic year, and the school is no longer listed online as being among the 150 uh, Christian schools in the U.S. and Canada that belong to the association. The decision to change its policies uh, on students and faculty who identify as LGBTQ took place at the end of last semester, the school said in a statement. Specifically, the school removed its ban on hiring faculty who identifies LGBTQ 
LGBTQ and added sexual orientation to the non-discrimination policy, which applies to both faculty and students. Um, That immediately set the school on a collision course with the CCCU, which is the largest association of its kind in the country. The CCCU does not allow members, schools to hire gay married faculty members and requires policies upholding traditional Christian marriage as between a man and a woman. A spokesperson for the CCCU board confirmed that Eastern's membership is on hiatus during the current school year. We're going to take another quick break when we return our lightning round of ministry news of the week. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello everyone, I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. We like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What do you have first? Well, a story that for us is a little bit on the lighter side, uh, a story about The Thorn, which is a musical drama uh, about the life, ministry, and death of Jesus uh, that was originally created 25 years ago in a church, in New Life Church in Colorado Springs. It since was spun out of that church and was its own separate nonprofit Christian organization. Now it has become a film and it will debut next March. But the movie's trailer is about to get a nationwide debut in 2000 theaters uh, on Friday when the chosen, when two new episodes of The Chosen are rolled out. Now that many of our listeners probably have been watching The Chosen, it's a wildly popular TV drama about Jesus that has racked up more than 400 million episode views. Thorn tickets also will go on sale on Friday as well. Now, both The Chosen and The Thorn started out in churches, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to feature them here, uh, before gaining wider acclaim, undergoing several revisions, and then eventually making their way to, um, in The Chosen's case, to television, though there have been some big screen showings of Chosen episodes. And now, of course, The Thorn. The Thorn live show has toured nationally, and it reached more than a million people in churches around the country. And we have on the site this week the unusual story of a man who says he's a missionary to Christian nationalists. Yeah, it is an unusual story. And of course, Christian nationalism is one of those phrases or topics that has been kind of polarizing, uh, even among the evangelical community. And of course, it kind of depends on how you define uh, Christian nationalism. But there can be no doubt that the the idea of Christian nationalism and its proponents, uh, supporters, and its critics uh, have uh, been outspoken within evangelicalism, and they've been it's they've been causing controversies and uh, an ongoing discussion there. So I thought this story was interesting. 
Uh, it's a story of Phoenix Pastor Caleb Campbell, and he says that many, not all, but many people who identify as Christian nationalists are in fact pretty fuzzy on Christian doctrine and theology, and that causes them in some cases to be more nationalist than they are Christian. And so what he did was set out on a journey. He attended lots of Christian nationalist events uh, around the country. He said that he found that most of the people there were good-hearted people who thought that they were doing the right thing for God by being involved in the Christian nationalist movement. He said his goal is not to argue with them. He said, for one thing, that doesn't work, but rather to approach Christian nationalists as a missionary, uh, leading them with kindness and generosity. Uh, What Christian nationalists need, he thinks, is reasoning and ultimately, in some cases, conversion, not confrontation. And who did Christina Darnell spotlight in her Ministries Making a Difference column this week? Yeah, a number of great ministries. Uh, one I wanted to mention because we it's one that we haven't mentioned before here on Ministry Watch. It's a, a ministry called I Have a Name. A man named Don Pardue started, not Don Pardo. <laughs> Some of our older listeners might remember Don Pardo. Uh, as the voice of Saturday Night Live. Don Pardue uh, started this as a ministry to the homeless people of Kansas City, Missouri during the COVID-19 pandemic. Pardue, who was homeless himself at 10 years of age, began by building relationships and handing out necessities to the city's various encampments, homeless encampments, and with the support of a church, Nall Avenue Church of the Nazarene, that ministry has expanded pretty dramatically to include the distribution of hot meals, blankets, propane heaters, coats, and a whole lot more. And we have another ministry that we have mentioned a few times here, uh, On Eagle's Wings. It's a division of Ron Hutchcraft Ministries. It's launched the inaugural term of its leadership Center in Arkansas. Six Native American young people started the nine-month term this fall, and they will study everything from theology to finances to relationships. Eventually, the students will intern alongside Native missions and ministries. Should mention that this is Native American Awareness Month nationwide. It's not a Christian event, but it's, you know, in fact, I was in the Dallas airport yesterday and saw book displays in the bookstores uh, sort of celebrating Native aware Native American Awareness Month. Now, Ron Hutchcraft Ministries is a ministry that really focuses on uh, outreach to uh, indigenous people in this country. And I should add that they've got four stars, which is really good, from Ministry Watch and an A transparency grade. Their donor confidence score is 90, which means that you can give with confidence. Do you have any final thoughts before we go? Well, you know, I mentioned just a moment ago that I was in the Dallas airport yesterday. In reality, I was in airports most of the day because I was flying home from Southern California where I had a, a lot of great meetings, did some interviews that you'll be hearing on the podcast, uh, the extra episodes of the podcast here in the weeks ahead. And uh, just wanted to thank everybody that showed me hospitality in Southern California, especially Ministry Watch supporters that uh, gathered for a dinner in Newport Beach, California, at the home of Eric Besco, one of our ministry partners out there. It was really a nice time. And I wanted to mention also that I'll be doing another one of these events in New York City 
on December 16. If you live in New York, keep your eyes open for an email from me with details for that event. Again, it'll be December 16 for lunch. That's a Friday. If you want to be sure that you get that invitation, just email me at wsmith at ministrywatch.com. And I also wanted to mention that we will be taking a break from the podcast next week. We'll be dropping an extra episode on Tuesday, but no podcast episode, Natasha, with you on Friday. So, Take uh, Thanksgiving off, and to the rest of our uh, listeners, I just hope that uh, you really enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Guttard, Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Yonat Shimron, Bob Smitanya, Steve Raby, Kim Roberts, Christina Darnell, and Jessica Ederalde. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.